This is The Podlight, a podcast by San Jose Spotlight dedicated to independent political and business reporting. I'm your host, Editor Nick Preciado. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Santa Clara County Sheriff Lori Smith about the ongoing mental health crisis in our region and how that's impacting the county jail system. Longtime Sheriff Lori Smith has faced criticism in recent months over her office's handling of issues related to mental health in the jail system. She's faced calls for resignation, a vote of no confidence, and even looming investigations. Sheriff Smith is here to, with me today to talk about this stuff. How's it going, Sheriff? It's going great, thank you. How are you? Good. Thank you for coming on. Sure. So let's get right into it. Sheriff, you've talked a great deal to our senior reporter, Eli Wolf about this mental health crisis that our county is facing and how that's impacting the jails. Can you describe this crisis for our listeners and what you're seeing in the jails? It seems to me that the jails now are pretty much the location for people with mental health issues. And very often the people in the jail, the crime they committed, trespassing, vandalism, assaults, a lot of those are really as a result of their mental health and they're being warehoused in our jail. It's really difficult to have people who have serious criminal histories are in for serious crimes um, dealing with the people who are very dangerous, and then those that have mental health issues, it's it's difficult to mix the populations, but we have such a high number of people in custody that are seriously mentally ill. You've said that the county jails are being used to warehouse people with severe mental illness, and that it's not safe. What solutions do you see for those individuals in terms of housing and mental health treatment? Well, I think that the county needs to invest in a really meaningful mental health hospital. We all know in the early 70s, the state closed the mental hospitals. And it was thought that they, the people with, with these types of illnesses could be better on the streets. Um, and there were drugs at the time to treat mental health. But we have to have a safe and humane place for people that have mental health issues. And it's, it's not the jails, but they are um, allegedly committing crimes. So for every person that's on the street and they're arrested, we have a victim for something. And I think if we had meaningful places for um, those that need special treatment, if we had meaningful places, then we wouldn't have as many victims, as many crimes, and they would get the treatment that they need. But what I do want to say, though, is County mental health in the jails, they do an exceptional job. They do a great job. We've got a lot of services and really, really high quality people. But again, the medical people are having to deal with those with mental health issues right alongside the people who are in for very dangerous felonies. So it's really tough for them, too. I would think that a hospital setting would be more advantageous. And just to follow up to that, too, in terms of like the jail population, are these inmates with mental illness, are they separated from the general population or is there any kind of separation like that? You know, there is. Um, we have a really acute mental health um, area. It's known as 8A. It's our acute psychiatric unit. But then we have um, areas that... People still have serious mental illnesses, but they're housed in different areas. But because probably 25% of our population has serious mental illness issues, um, they really are mixed in with the population too, because there's a lot of, there are a lot of people who are being treated 
for these types of things, um, but don't fit the criteria of being seriously mentally ill. I see. Thank you for that. Now, there is a question coming, but I do need to do a little background first for our listeners about some of these issues you're facing. So most of this relates to pretty much three high-profile incidents where correctional officers abused or neglected mentally ill inmates. Um, starting in 2015, three officers beat uh, inmate Michael Tyree to death. In 2018, inmate Andrew Hogan, uh, he suffered serious injuries after he slammed his head in a transport van. And then in 2019, an inmate named Martin Nunez suffered injuries uh, that apparently left him a quadriplegic after he hit his head in a cell and prison workers left him unattended for an entire day. Uh, the county paid uh, millions, like tens of millions of dollars in settlements to Tyree and Hogan's families. And I believe Nunez is seeking damages. F- following all that, you know, this was uh, more than a few years ago for the farthest case. Uh, the Board of Supervisors voted no confidence you in August, and they're also calling for investigations into the handling of the jail system. For the question, what are your thoughts on these investigations and this alleged mismanagement of the jails? Well, jails are difficult to manage, and we have exceptional staff, and our people are doing a really, really good job. And under less than optimal, optimal conditions, our our hiring shortage is is outrageous. Our vacancies, the number of people that we should have. But let me let me take the incidents one at a time. Tyree, Tyree, Tyree was murdered by three of our deputies, and we took it really seriously. We very quickly put them on administrative leave until we could really review all of the facts and circumstances. We didn't have cameras in the jail then, so it was really really a difficult um, investigation. We now have cameras everywhere. Because at one point I was so fed up with the county not having cameras that I went to Costco and bought a camera set and we had those installed. And But now we have um, probably almost 2,000 cameras throughout the jail system. But for Tyree, we knew something was wrong. We took it head on. We um, actually arrested our three staff in one week. Um, I met with the U.S. attorney and the head of the FBI in San Francisco. I asked them to come in and take a look at our operation to make sure that there wasn't anything we were missing. They were confident with the way we handled it. We hold people accountable. Now, the next one was Hogan. And yes, the county is making a lot of issues about it. And um, they paid a huge judgment but it was a medical malpractice lawsuit, $10 million medical malpractice. Um, We've changed a lot of our policies um, because there's things that we could have done better, but I, I, I don't ever want to place blame, but if you view it as a medical malpractice lawsuit, I, I, you know, I think that kind of puts things into context. Um, Again, we've changed a lot. Um, Nunez, Uh, The information's not out on Nunez. Yes, he slammed his head into a wall and and substantial injuries, probably quadriplegic, as you described. Um, I'm I'm not really certain what the actual diagnosis is, but that's still being looked at. And he was not left unattended. Um, We our deputies heard the thump originally. Medical was there. when they then went around to his cell, he was laying on the floor and medical was with us. We called medical several times. Medical was with us. They asked us to um, um, put him on the bed, which we did. And that was about 45 minutes after. So I think there's a lot that's yet to be seen on that. Um, 
and I know that there's a culpability. Um, again, I take full responsibility for what our people do, but let's, let's see how that plays out and really where the errors were made. And again, we've, we have made changes. Um, the county questions leadership um, in me and the no confidence vote, but you don't get to be an exceptional law enforcement agency without, without good leadership. And we have uh, great people at all levels. We're thought to be one of the best law enforcement agencies in California. I believe that the county wants to place blame on someone. And I, I guess I'm convenient. And again, we're not perfect, but we will always work to try to be perfect and try to be better and always review our practices. So um, I think it's unfortunate. I will not resign. And I, I think that we need to work together in this instead of pointing fingers. Secondarily, with the issue of mental health, we see it on the streets, we see the homeless, and that's a tragic. It's not just the jails, but it's also the conditions that people are living on on the streets. Please, let's get mental health um, facilities in this county. We're, we are a county that really has um, money, if you will, and but we're very, very low in mental health treatments in this county. We can say a lot. We can talk a lot about the services, but let's get more because of what we see out there. I'd like to um, circle back to something that actually leads into my next question about blame being placed on you and your office for these instances. It seems, you know, it's interesting to me, and I think you've pointed this out yourself, that the Board of Supervisors is focused on placing these problems on you now, which is essentially the start of an election cycle. And it's interesting, too, considering that these incidents, I mean, the soonest one was 2019, so that was a couple of years ago now. Where do you think that factors into this? I mean, do you believe that the supervisors are unfairly placing blame on you for this problem? And if so, why are they placing blame on you? Well, you know, I can't answer the why. You're going to have to talk to Supervisor Joe Samidian on that. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because they don't want me to continue to be sheriff. I, you know, I can't guess the why, but it's a system that needs to be fixed. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed, um, clearly, in the no confidence vote. Um, I, I think that we haven't been fairly judged where they have a lot of information showing a lot of positive things that we do. And again, we make mistakes, but we take action to correct. Um, you know, I wish I, I knew the reason. So um, Joe Samidian, the supervisor who's been the most vocal, uh, has called for me to be investigated by the um, U.S. Attorney's Office, U.S. Department of Justice, uh, FBI, State Attorney General's Office, State Department of Justice, the FPPC, and um, the Civil Grand Jury. And I have come out publicly that please do this, do this quickly. I want these investigations to go because some of the allegations are uh, constitutional violations. And uh, those are serious allegations. And then at a recent meeting, uh, Supervisor Samidian said, well, sometimes these investigations can take three years. No, they won't. I want to be investigated now. I want to be investigated fairly, thoroughly. I welcome the FBI to come in and take a look at what we're doing. In fact, I encourage it. Allegations cannot stand unless you have an opportunity to have really an outside review. And that's what I'm asking for. 
getting back to um, the death of Tyree and just the injury of Hogan, I, I know that you said that your office and, and the jails have instituted different practices now and are trying to implement better policies. But do you think there's any way that the injury of Hogan and the death of Tyree could have been prevented? Well, I don't think that you can prevent renegade cops from doing what they're going to do. Maybe we should have had more supervision. Maybe we should have been in tune to what they were doing because I don't think it was the first. You know, they committed murder. Um, we can only hire as well as we can. And actually, I'm. Um, we are all in law enforcement struggling right now because of the animosity toward law enforcement. We're not seeing a lot of good people getting into it and we need the best people. Um, I wish that had been prevented. I think that cameras in the future will help. I think the fact that we arrested three of our people for murder, I hope that goes a long way. Um, could have been prevented. You know, Hogan, um, yes, there's things that we could have done different from a sheriff's office perspective. We transported him in a, in a regular van um, that, you know, it, there's no seatbelts. It's the back of a van. And, um, and it's set up for prisoners. And, and he banged his head on medical on metal things. Um, what we could have, what we've started is we now have a sedan with a seat belt and um, we also have a helmet, but we transport thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of inmates every day, whether it's to court or to the hospital or between facilities. I probably not thousands every day, you know, per month or per year, but we, and this is the um, first type of incident we've had like this. Should we have known to not put him in the van? Maybe, but a mental health worker was standing with us, urging him to get into the back of the van. It was a tragedy. Um, I know members of the Hogan family. I, my heart goes out to them and to the family of Tyree. I mean, it's, it's terrible. Um, but we, we have made improvement. We probably should have seen it coming. We've had a contract with an ambulance service to transport um, people to go to the emergency psychiatric area when they're deemed 5150, very, very serious, danger to themselves, danger to others, or gravely disabled. Um, but our waiting time for the uh, ambulance, sometimes eight hours. So we need to get a better ambulance contract. That's how they should be transported when they're going to a medical facility. But um, I, I wish we could have prevented it because the impact has been really horrible. San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo, as he's prone to do, jumped into the fray. He's been pressuring you and calling on you publicly to resign. Yeah. What is your message to him and others who have urged you to step down? You know, I was elected by the people of uh, Santa Clara County. I've been elected six times. Um, what, what's really unfortunate, let me add something that doesn't speak to your question, but I will get to your question. Sure. Um, I've worked for the sheriff's office for over 48 years. And um, when I started, my title was deputy sheriff matron, because if you were a woman, you couldn't even take the test for deputy sheriff. You know, we carried a gun. We went to the same academy. Our uniforms were only skirts and we were paid less. But I have a long, long time with this organization and a very, very positive career. And so this, um, after 48 years, is devastating to me. Um, so why did Licardo um, jump in? I've got no idea. I have no idea why he did it. I doubt as he's, while he's been mayor, that he's probably never even been in a jail. Um, 
he seems to be doing a lot of media all the time. When he, um, when we had that mass shooting at VTA where nine people were killed, our deputies were heroes. They confronted the guy with the gun and he was shooting at him. Um, Licardo did press conferences. Well, I have no idea why, because he had nothing to do with that. It was our jurisdiction. I think he's just looking for notoriety. One thing that he said recently that I was shocked with, I actually couldn't believe my ears. Um, on KCBS, he said, um, and I'll, I'll read a quote here. Um, this, is, this was a broadcast on KCBS. San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo is considering building housing in the middle of clover leaves, which are the off-ramps which allow freeways to cross and um, entrances and exits to freeways. Um, he's, he's proposing building homeless shelters or homeless houses, if you will, in the middle of those clover leaves. That is not only dangerous, it is an outrageous idea. You know, when you take those curves, either exiting a freeway or changing freeways, a lot of those curves are blind curves and you want to put homeless people in the middle of that. What I said recently about Licardo is take care of your business, take care of the homeless population in your city without outrageously stupid ideas. Um, take care of all these ghost guns we're seeing on the streets. Um, he has a big job and I don't see that he's addressing it, but it's very easy for someone to criticize someone else. I'm, um, I don't know where he comes from, where he gets his information, but I would also hope that people would give me a chance to have an investigation on the allegations prior to being um, found culpable for a lot of things. What financial resources has your office been given to prevent inmate injuries and deaths? And what has your department done to improve operations at the county jails? So we have, um, the, the county asked to have a staffing study of the sheriff's office, including um, the jail portion of the sheriff's office. Um, and that staffing study was about three years ago. And I, and the county received a draft and would never make it public. We've now received it. And it really, really shows how short we are. Um, we have some very serious people in custody that um, I've seen video after video of deputies being physically attacked by inmates where there may be one deputy in a housing area with 40 people, um, many of them charged with murder. It's a dangerous place for our deputies. Um, and we haven't had adequate resources. We need adequate resources. The thing that keeps me up at night, the safety of our staff, certainly the, the safety of all that come in contact in the jails, our deputies that work the streets, we do everything we can to provide them with the very best protection, the very best equipment and training. But we have to have the bodies. We have to have the people to do the job, keeping us safe and keeping those that we're charged with protecting safe and everyone who provides services within the jail. Um, without the people, we're in, we are in a terrible situation. We also need adequate uh, supervision. We need additional sergeants and lieutenants. Our people work very hard and we have fine, fine people. So when I'm being attacked, they really are 
attacking um, the rest of the organization, and that is not fair to them. Um, these women and men put on a uniform every day. They risk their lives. They do an exceptional job. And please attack me, but do not attack the people um, who work here. Um, uh, you know, I stand behind our staff. They're the finest. Um, let's go back to the staffing shortage really quickly. Um, what does that look like for your office and how is it impacting these jail reforms and, and safety in the jails? I, I know you touched on the safety of the deputies, but th does that have any impact on inmates as well? Oh, it absolutely does. Um, because if we can't staff a certain area, maybe the inmates have to remain locked down. Or if we don't have a second deputy in a real high risk area. Um, not only are we short staffed based on the number of employees that have been authorized, but it's hard to hire cops. It takes a long time because of the background and the psychological and the polygraph and all of the steps that they have to go through, again, because we want the best. But what else happened about a year or so ago, the county implemented a hiring freeze. So we had deputies who'd gone through this eight month long process of hiring that were ready to start the academy, and the academy is either four months or a little over six months, we had deputies ready to start the academies, and the county said, no, you can't hire them. And we said, but we're, you know, we're short staffed, show us the staffing study. And what they did is they refused to let us hire staff, and that put us further in the hole. And then what happened is then during the budget, they cut all of the vacant positions. And so that to me made no sense. You freeze positions so you can't hire and you artificially um, inflate the number of vacancies you have and then you cut all the vacancies without benefit of looking at what the experts believed. You're one of the longest tenured elected officials in Silicon Valley, having served as sheriff since 1998 and with six terms in office. I also believe you're the first female sheriff in the state. Um, now you're currently facing two challengers. There's retired Captain Kevin Jensen, who I believe you ran um, against a couple terms ago, and uh, more recently, Deputy Christine Nagay. Are you planning to run for re-election next year? Well, you know, what I really want to do, and I've, I've avoided that question, not because I don't answer things directly, because I do, but I want to see what happens in these investigations. I, um, I think right now, with allegations looming, it's very difficult. And that's why I'm demanding such a such a fast investigation. Um, because if they find me culpable, okay, I don't believe um, that they will, um, if I'm given a, a fair opportunity. Um, but but right now with these things looming, it would be impossible. And I want it to go quickly. I, I really want these investigations. When have you ever heard someone in an elected office say, please investigate me quickly? <laughs> Never. Final question here. You've said that Santa Clara County has fewer than 13 psychiatric treatment beds available per 100,000 people um, compared to San Francisco, which has about 36.6 beds for the same number of people. Should the county scrap plans for a new jail and build a mental health hospital instead? I, I know that was proposed, but why isn't that happening now? Um I, d I don't know why it's not happening. And uh, the study you're referring to was done by the California Hospital Association in 2019. Um, we pride ourselves in this county for being progressive, and we are. So I clearly believe that if you're looking at priorities, build that hospital first. Do we need a new jail? Sure, because the sheriff's office never 
uh, controls who's in jail and who's not. You know, certainly if the person is arrested, then it's up to the court whether they're out or in. And um, so do we need another facility? Yes, because we've already bulldozed our 1960s era jail. But the priority should be on a mental health treatment, whether they're beds scattered everywhere or a hospital. I would propose a hospital. And the amount of money that they've allocated for um, the jail, there's, there's not unlimited money. So if you want both, do the hospital first. Let me tell you another thing that law enforcement faces, and it's and it's it's so horrible. We will um, get called to someone at a family, and you know the person has mental health issues and is and is really acting out, and we know that they're a danger to themselves, a danger to others, or gravely disabled, and fit the fifty one fifty criteria. We take them to the county's emergency psychiatric service. Our our people in patrol. And they don't keep them there. And then the the problem happens again. We need better facilities for 5150. Because then what happens is if, if the cop doesn't know how to um, solve the problem because the way the problem should have been solved was not, then they um, have to, um, they end up arresting them. And I also believe that the DA's office should not be filing criminal charges on some of these low-level people who are waiting for treatment beds. Um, both Tyree and Mr. Hogan were in on very, very minor misdemeanor charges, and they were in custody waiting for a treatment bed to show up. Today, we have 43 people waiting for treatment beds that shouldn't be in jail, that could be out. One of the other things that we've done because of our frustration working the streets is we've started some, um, and we're the first agency in Santa Clara County, even though it's been done many other places. We have a psychiatric emergency response team, and we, we actually have two. We team one deputy with one clinician. Um, the deputy is in plain clothes, but, but they respond to calls of people uh, that have some type of mental health crisis. And they're able to refer to services. The, the clinician can, can look the person up and find out what their psychiatric history is, where they can go, what the best placement is. Um, law enforcement is good at diffusing situations and de-escalating, but mental health is better. They have a lot more training and these teams have been really, really good. Plus we've recovered a lot of guns too. Um, in this. So we're proud of that. If we could get more of that, because families sometimes really need help um, with, with a family member. And certainly the people who are homeless and living on the streets need help. We've got to find something for them. We cannot continue to criminalize mental health. And that's what we've done, I think, throughout the state. Okay. Well, thank you, Sheriff Smith. I appreciate you coming on and uh, speaking to me. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. And anytime I'm available. San Jose Spotlight is a community-supported, nonprofit news organization fueled by readers and listeners like you. You can support our work by becoming a sustaining member with a monthly or annual donation on our website, sanjosespotlight.com. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight, the city's first nonprofit news organization dedicated to independent reporting. I'm editor Nick Preciado. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.